your Bible, let's get to it. We got work to do. This is the close of a series of conversations. I structure the sermons around one goal to answer one question. And I know that can sound simplistic, but the reason I do it that way is because I want you to remember it. And I'm convinced that people forget what you say. So I'm trying to help you remember what, what we say. And I believe that the best way to do that is to be, give you a question and a picture. So the question for the year, this is the last month for this question, why don't people do what they say they're going to do? The answer this month is because they don't know where they are. They're lost. And in our graphic, there's a guy with some people wandering around the wilderness, wandering around the desert, and they're not really sure where they are. And they're trying to find their way. They're trying to find where they are. Where are you is the question I was asking. And then last week I asked you, are you hiding? Adam and Eve were a good example of a people who, after failing, started hiding. The Lord came to them and called for them in the garden. And they hid. And here's what they said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. He answered, Adam did, I heard you in the garden, God, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he asked, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, I want to make an observation. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, people will know it. It will be obvious that you are not doing what you said you were going to do, not eat of that tree. The tree was an option. Without the tree, there's no choice. God has to give you choices, options. You decide. You make that decision in your life every day. God gives you life. God gives you choices, options to decide you, no one else. You can blame anybody you want to, but this is, this is your life. And so I want you to notice with me there's this incredible moment where they make a statement to, to Adam, um, Adam makes a statement to God, rather, after the fall of man, if you're not a Bible person, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve were told in chapter 2 of Genesis that they could eat anything in the garden but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this tree was a symbol of choice. And they decided to, to try the tree anyway, which is like us, right? We want to try it just to see. And so they ate the fruit. God came and he found them in this condition. And I, I think there were there are some interesting things about what they did as naked people, why they became naked. There were three reasons in the story. They wanted to advance. That's why they did it. They took the chance because they wanted to know something. Number two, they wanted to be knowledgeable. They wanted to know something they didn't know. And thirdly, they felt that one compromise, just one, was okay. Just one. I don't know what the one compromise in your life is, but they thought the same way. One will not hurt me. It's one little white lie. Just one. Nobody's going to know. But I want you to notice, it is known. 
Because all of a sudden, their identity has changed. See, when you compromise, you change. Your view of yourself changes. Please notice what happened. After they fell, their view of themselves changed. Think about a compromise in your life and think about how you feel. I saw the most incredible, and I'm off a little bit here. I had an exchange, yes, I was in the airport, and this little boy was a cute guy, you know, he's a young, young fellow. He probably, he probably, I don't know, he's five, maybe. I think he's five. And uh, he's long, string hair, and you couldn't tell whether he was a boy or a girl, right? So this little grandmother like person says, Oh, oh, you're so cute, little girl. He says, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. He says, I'm a boy. And he stood his chest out, and he says, uh, and so why bet people get confused with your pretty hair or whatever? He says, Yes. And she said, How old are you? He said, Five. Five years old. And so then he turned around and said, how old are you? <laughs> he did. He turned around. And so she didn't know. You can tell her husband, her mom. His mom said, don't ask people that kind of question. He was, she asked me. It was so funny. He was like, I don't understand what the problem is. She asked me how old I was. And so the mother tried to put it. He wasn't going to have it. He went to it. No, I want to know how old you are. And she, and she tried, she walked off, you know, and then she came back. He waited for her. And when she came back, he said, I want to know how old you are. And then he said, are you in the 60s? He did. He asked me. The mother was disturbed. The mother couldn't. It was, just, it was the moment. She was trying to stop him, but he was, he was not going to have that. You asked me my age. I want to know how old you are. Huh. She never told him either. You know, she said, I'm older than 60s. That's what she said. Then he walked off. There are moments in life when you can't hide. There are moments in life when somewhere between here and there, somebody will know. There are things that I've just learned in my life not to ask people. I just assume. I just can see it if I pay attention. God saw this. They were convinced that if they ate this fruit, that somehow they would advance. That's what the enemy told them. He says, God doesn't want you to eat this because he knows the day you eat it, but you're going to be like him. You're going to know good and evil. That's why they were told to eat it by the serpent. They were tricked. They would become knowledgeable. They would be like God, knowing good and evil now. Verse 4 says, you will not certainly die. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Can you think about the time you thought that if you did a certain thing, smoke some dope or did some drugs or whatever you thought or hang out or whatever, sleep with somebody, that this is going to really make you smart? And you found that it really made you dumb. It didn't help you. I've been lied to. I've been given that incredible... Um, I love the book, The Molecule of More. I love it, I love it, I love it. It's a great little book. It's The Molecule of More. And it talks about this anticipation, the sense of, I've got to have that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, i got some things I want to have right now. i got the list of things I want to buy, do, places I want to go. There's nothing wrong with that. Dopamine is that, that urging feeling. I want that. I want it real bad. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But then there's a danger to it. When your life is consumed in such a way that you dream of something that he calls it the dopamine lie. You lied, you lied, you've been there. You had to have him. Don't act confused now. You wanted her so bad. You wanted to get this job. You wanted to move away. You wanted to, you wanted to get a, whatever it was. 
And now on the other side of it, you see the responsibility, the weight of it. Now they've made a decision, and here's the result. They're naked. Stripped of their innocence, their whole view of themselves has changed. And so they became unclothed. What is it like to not be able to hide? One of the things about being a public person is there's very little you can hide. People know where you live. They guess what you make. And sometimes they out know. Everything is public. One of the things that celebrities often say is the hardest thing about their level of success, which they don't think is even fair, is there's no privacy. Adam and Eve were standing there with no privacy. First time. Strip bare. He looked at her differently. She looked at him. Nobody was lusting. But everybody was ashamed. Think about that. See, notice in our carnal thinking in this culture, we think, oh, they'd be lusting. Oh, look at her. No. Everybody was running for cover. And let me tell you what happens. When the real you is exposed, you start running for cover. When people really know you up close and they understand who you are as a person, you can cover it over with all this stuff. But the real you, that's the part that's fascinating. What's interesting is when they became unclothed, what they did in verse 7 of chapter 3. They used what they could to cover themselves. Say that with me, please. Come on. They used what they could to cover themselves. Say it again. Come on. They used what they could to cover themselves. So they got fig leaves together. That's all they had. You know, you know, you know, that's all you got around you in the garden, the leaves. So some kind of way they figured out on the spot how to sew them together. What is your fig leaf? Is it religion? For a lot of people it is. I'm saved. So when you say that, you cover up everything. Hallelujah. I'm a worshiper. What, I don't know your job, your career, uh, your muscles, your hair, your looks. A lot of women, you look fabulous, but it's a fig leaf. It's covering up who you really are. The real you is insecure. The real you doesn't trust yourself. The real you doubts yourself, but your looks and your hair makes you look okay. But when you zoom in close, one of the most amazing moments is when a woman who was, who was Miss America jumped out of a window. I thought, what in the world? How could a pretty girl jump out the window? What in the world? See, notice how a guy thinks, what, what, you're too pretty to jump out the window. My wife <laughs> told me, I made a comment, we haven't been married long. I said, she is too pretty for that. Dad said, what does beauty have to do with that? What makes you think, what makes you as a man think that because they look that way, they are that way? Can I get an amen, somebody? Fig leaves. In chapter 3, verse 21, God steps in and says, that's not enough. I cannot cover you with a fig leaf. I cannot hide your nakedness, the new shame, the new shame. One more time, the new shame you have. I can't cover it over with stuff you put together. You can't fix this by yourself. When you get away from God, you can't fix it yourself. Get out of the will of God. Get out of the word of God. You can't fix it. You can do what you want to do. You can go to self-help groups. You can get an exercise. You can learn how to swim. You can jump out of airplanes. You can get any kind of fig leaf you want. You can sew anything together you please. But let me tell you what he said. The blood was the only thing that could fix your life. God stepped in and said, okay, I know you did the best you could. 
I know you sewed together the best you could. You got your little positive statements together. You got your little positive words together. You got your vision for your life together. You know, got you a man or a woman or a house or a car or a duck or whatever you got, a dog or a cat, but that doesn't fix you. He said, you need me to bring the blood to your life. I need to wash you. And so he slayed an animal for them, took the skins off the animal and gave it to them. And now you're clothed. You're going to be naked until I clothe you. You're going to be naked until I put you together. You're going to be ashamed until I get into your life. Let me tell you right now, I have not been able to fix Ricky. I've not been able to fix my family, but Jesus has been able to fix me. The reason you're still feeling ashamed, the reason you're still hiding, I got a good job. So what? I make good money. So what? I like all that. But that's a fig leaf. I drive a nice car, but it's a fig leaf. I want to lean in it. <laughs> fig leaf. It's only the skin from a sacrifice that freed me. Adam and Eve tried a man-made solution to clothe themselves. God had to step in and provide a more complete solution. You know, the emotional signs you're naked are real. And some of you are. Because you're hiding. You're blaming somebody else. You're hiding behind what happened to you. Are you denying my abuse? No. It happened. The serpent abused them. I mean, really, they, the whole reason the man fell, chapter 3, they were manipulated by the enemy, by the serpent, by the devil. They, that's how it happened. That's what the Bible says. But Adam and Eve didn't get away with the blaming others, which I'll talk about next week. Did you ever notice that they never, they never blamed themselves? Did you ever think about that? Nowhere in the story do you find in Genesis chapter 3 where they said, I did it. Adam didn't say it, Eve didn't say it, nobody said it. Sometimes God has to show you, you did it. You did this. You want to blame everybody else. I understand this. I didn't do it all. I understand that. But what part did you do? I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The woman you gave me, she gave me, verse 12. The Lord said, the woman, what, who, what, what, what is this you've done? The woman said, the servant deceived me. Please notice nobody's taking blame. Are you blaming everybody else? Is that your fig leaf? You've sewn together this line of reasoning that allows you to be this way? Hear that, hear that. Have you sewn together a line of reason that's made you think this is okay? You got it all sewed up. People talk to you, you start crying, get all emotional. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I've been through. I understand. It's fig leaf. I ask you your part in this. Now that you're grown and 20 years behind that, ahead of that now. What, 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 what's, what's happening? I, I, um, 
I, I want to close with some interesting um, things I never talked about before, never said publicly ever, I don't think. In my life, I've had moments of insecurity. And I really believe insecurity is a big thing we hide behind. And all of us have them. For one season of my life, it was my weight. I was really thin. When I came to be pastor of the church, I was 27 in the waist. I'm 34-ish now, 33, 34 now. But I was much smaller, six inches smaller in the waist. Can you imagine? I, um, I had a chipped tooth when I first got married that I got when I was a kid. And we never could, I never, you know, dental work can be expensive. And, and, you know, the problem with most people, they don't have cash. The average American, Af African American has $1,500 cash. The average African American, $1,500. The average uh, non-African American, white person has $8,000. So the difference when you get up in church, you ask you for $1,000, you look at us like, you're crazy. How much? No, 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 you want 1000 of my $1,500 cash money. Oh, I ain't giving you that, Pastor Rick. I understand. You might give me 50, 20. I can understand that. See, you need to give it your level. But my point is, there, there was, um, we, we, just, we didn't have, we didn't have cash. We had money, cash flow, but not when you start talking about paying for things like $3,000 for, for, for dental care or adding a $200 expense to the budget a month. We couldn't do that. So it took me years to save the money, but I found it, you know, I'm fixed up now, y'all. But, and I'd have to tell you that, but you know, when you're, you're insecure, you kind of you half smile, you don't let it out because you, you just don't have it. Mm -hmm. I was insecure about my education. I just felt like I didn't have enough. You know, I, I, had, I, had, I just felt like, you know, I needed more. Now I'm maybe overeducated. I don't know. But, you know, when you, you do feel good when you get to the other levels, you know, the masters and the doctorates, and you start feeling like, okay, I'm really, I'm really you know, okay, you know. But when you get there, you find out that it ain't what you thought. You just find out how much you don't know. I'll get off that. Nothing wrong with it. I accept it all. Thank you, Jesus. I ain't giving no degree back. Amen. I paid for it. <laughs> but I also sometimes overdressed. This is important. I overdressed to hide my insecurity about being accepted as a black man, especially moving in, in, in business circles. I, I, this, this was my man. I had to dress up. I mean, I, I just I had I had to be I had to be. Hey, because I I felt, and I'm I'm being honest. I felt my blackness. I felt like I needed to be more than. And, and um, now some of that, my mama, because I told y'all she was big on put your shirt in your pants. Like, Lord, help me, Jesus. You got to shine your shoes, all that. But she said that because she knew the world you're in, you need to be exceptional. They're not going to hear you. And there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that, which I, I won't digress into. How did I get beyond my hidden issues? How did I get beyond my feelings of nakedness? Number one, I accepted myself. Say that, come on. I accepted myself. And I, I slowly improved um, all the areas of my life. But I accepted me. Number two, I saved my money. And fix some of the issues. I started dealing with the money issues, which I'm looking at starting a group that talks about that. Some of you don't want to talk about money. God bless you. Live in the land of broke. It's all good. I, I want to free people. Amen. Come on, amen. I want to free people. I want to free people. I want to show them how to be free. And you can't be afraid of the conversation. 
Number three, I accepted myself and slowly worked to gain more education. I said, look, this is what I have. Let me just take a class. Let me do what I need to do for me so that I feel good about what I'm doing. I'm in front of people presenting all the time. I need to kind of know a little bit about what I'm talking about. I need, I, need, I need to try to improve myself. And I will continue to do that. People ask me sometimes, they'll say, are you going back to school anymore? I say, well, Greek, Dad and I should take a Greek class together and kind of work on our marriage and just studying Greek together, bonding together. And they look at me like, you're talking about Diane Temple, your wife? I don't know that I could ever stop learning. I'm joking about dying taking Greek. You know that, right? <laughs> but the more I thought about this point just now, it just, it's down to me. I, I've got to keep learning. I can't put my brain on freeze. I may not go to an academic program again in that sense, but I do understand the power of reading and learning. I realize that I... I had to dress up until I felt secure enough to dress down. So now I can wear Levi's and tennis shoes and be okay with me. But I've had to deal with my own insecurity, my own sense of nakedness. I don't know what yours is. Your feet, your head, your, I don't know what, look, I can't get another head. This is all I got. My grandbaby told me, she said, Papa, you ain't got no hair. I said, yes, I do. She said, where is it? <laughs> Baby girl, this is what you got right now. Love yourself. Yes. Come on, love yourself. I'm out of time. Stand on your feet. Thank you for letting me pause there for a minute because I just needed to gather myself because in my mind, you just don't know how naked I felt sometimes. Um, how hard it is to just love yourself and stop worrying about whatever pe other people think. When your job is to get in front of people and be interesting or whatever, you have to get to the place that you don't live for that. You may do that, but that's what you do, but that's not who you are. You need to stop trying to compare yourself against everybody. Even though I think comparisons can be good, you need to be around some people who have a little bit more sense than you. They may challenge you to think a little bit different. You may need to be around some people that don't tolerate certain behaviors. They, they, I call them stoppers. You let, there are people who stop you and say, no, nah, that's, that's not how we do that. We don't roll like that here. We're not afraid of this conversation or that conversation. So, Father, I end this sermon saying thank you for the opportunity to be with these folks and those home at home. Bless Katia. Bless Margaret. Bless, bless uh, Charlotte. Bless them in Jesus' name. May your hand be upon them as well as us here. May this be a moment of grace and healing. May the power of the living God help us to rise to a place of confidence. And I pray you cover our naked with your grace and your gift to us. You sacrificed on the cross to free us. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Romans 8 and 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. One more time. There's therefore now no what? To those who are where? In Christ. So Father, we lay it all before you. 
And wherever there's shame, we ask you to help us to embrace ourselves and go forward with confidence. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to say oftentimes when we do altar calls, we do them wrong because we, we're talking about people who come into Christ for the first time all the time. Sometimes that's not really it. It's people who've been walking with God who want it all from God. But wherever you are in your walk, whether you're coming for the first time and really giving your life to God or you're coming back to God, if you're here, I want you to know I'm going to pray your prayer and then we're done for the day. If you say, Pastor Rick, I need, I need Jesus to touch me, to re-invite, reinvigorate my relationship with him. I've kind of wanted away from God. If some of you said, I've never come to God, I need to give my life to God for the first time. Wherever you are in that, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Who said, pray for me, Pastor Rick? I see, I see you. I see more. I see hands. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? Thank you. And some of you at home, you're saying, pray for me. Let's pray. Father, let this be a moment of healing for those who've wandered away from you and those who are coming to you for the first time. May they surrender their lives to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to reignite their walk. And may this be a new time and a new beginning. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.